right, good morning, church. Do me a favor, take out your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 11, is where we're going to be eventually this morning. I want to thank you for your prayers as I recovered uh, last week, and uh, it just so happened that last week was also my birthday. Can you say worst birthday ever? Uh, so I got that one over with. All of them are better from this point on. Right? But thank you for your prayers, and you guys be careful out there uh, during this spike. My goodness. Uh, the next week we're going to start a new series, and it's uh, The Search for Happiness. We're going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes in the Scripture. I don't know if you've ever taken that journey, but boy, a journey it is. And I'm really looking forward to us as a church coming together and walking through that. So bring a friend. It starts next um, next Sunday, and I'm excited to, to get that journey going with us as a church. Today we're wrapping up um, our, vision, our vision series. Uh, last few weeks I have been, um, well, not last week, but the, the two weeks prior, we've been, I've just been talking to you pastorally from my heart uh, as a church where I feel like the Lord has us right now and positioned and some advances that I believe that he might be leading us to, to take on um, in our influence for the gospel in our local community. And that's what we've been, been talking about. Now, due to me missing last week, I'm going to consolidate the last two weeks that I've been talking about into this one, this one week. All right. So we're going to get out about one o'clock. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I know it's a little messy. Um, and, but what I need to do to stay on track is to consolidate for, for this week. So forgive me. But next week we'll be resynchronized back again. If you're on life group uh, material and, and sermon-based life group, we will be back in sync and it will all be cleaned um, back up next week starting with Ecclesiastes. So I hope you'll join me in that. If you remember two weeks ago, I laid out four vision investments that I believe we need to make as a church over the next couple of years, and that was, number one, <clears throat> invest in our campus facilities for future impact. Both of our current campuses have different challenges, but we need to meet those challenges over the next couple of years to position ourselves as a church for a greater future impact in our current communities in which we exist. Secondly, on week two, um, I laid out invest in a multi-site expansion in Buda Kyle. Obviously, we just had the vote this morning to decide uh, on, on that. And uh, on week two, I laid out we have the people, we have the resources, and we have the influence to have a greater impact in the Buda Kyle community. A far greater impact in that community, being in that community as a multi-site, and we can have impact there more than we ever could from a South Austin or a Dripping Springs. And due to that, I feel like the Lord's positioned us in a way where we have the resources, the people, and the influence in that community to see incredible gospel flourishing through the ministry at Bannockburn there. That's why I led you uh, to consider that proposal. This morning, I want us to look at the last two vision investments as a church. And I want to read the, the third one and the fourth one to you, and we'll come back. Number three, invest in positioning Bannockburn as a haven of hope and healing for the hurting. And then number four, invest in planning three churches in North American cities where the gospel is needed most. The first thing I want to do is I want to look at number four because it's probably the one that needs less time for explanation. Uh, this is something that we have been doing since I've been here for six years now. Uh, I really just need to take some time to catch you up 
on what the missions team has been working on the last year and a half during a pandemic. We obviously can't take mission trips, and there's a lot of activities that we normally would do regarding international missions, missions in North America, that you're probably unaware of. And so I really wanted to take a week and to let you know what's on the horizon for church planting. Two weeks ago, uh, I laid out the biblical case for church planting. Every church needs to be involved in planting churches where the gospel is needed most. Paul assumed that to fulfill the Great Commission, he would go to the influential cultural shaping cities in a region, preach the gospel to the Jew first and then the Gentile in that region, establish a church who would then impact its city for Christ while he moves on to the next city where Christ has not been preached and he would go there to preach Christ where it hasn't been preached. Uh, so Paul assumed that planting churches in culture-shaping cities where the gospel had not yet been preached was in his eyes a fulfillment of the calling that Jesus had on his life for the Great Commission. The bottom line for us in North America 2,000 years later is that we as a church want to plant churches in North American cities where the gospel is needed the most. And if you look at a map of North America, uh, North American cities that are least Christian, um, depending on what metrics you use, um, it would make sense that in our country you would probably need to focus on cities in the northeast portion of the United States and Canada, um, or also on the west coast from San Diego all the way up to Vancouver, pick a city. Um, those are the cities the influential cities in North America um, that are least Christian. Four years ago, we sent as a sending church in North American Mission Board, you have sending churches and you have partner churches, okay? We were a sending church, which means we actually sent someone from our church to plant a church in the Boston area. We sent uh, Stephen uh, up there to plant Grace Church in Bridgewater, Massachusetts, on the south side of Boston. He joined a church movement that had been happening for 20 years in the Boston area called Grace Church. Stephen's plant was actually the seventh plant of the Grace Church movement throughout that area. And they are continuing to plant other churches. Now, we have fulfilled our obligation with Stephen. That is a thriving ministry. They are self-sufficient, hundreds of people every week in a wonderful Bridgewater community there. I've been there personally. We have planted a thriving gospel church in a much-needed area. We give God praise for that. But as a sending church, amen, yeah, we can applaud that. Now, as a sending church, you probably can only do one plant. Because you're taking on the brunt of the financial load and a lot of the responsibility in planning that church. But now, not having sending an individual, we become a partner church. And what we've decided to do is take the amount of funds that we've dedicated to church planning as a church, split it up three ways to become a partner church to three church plants in North America. One of those church plants, we're going to continue that partnership with the Grace Church planting movement in the Boston Metroplex. We have a great relationship with them. We're going to continue to send teams there to serve those communities. They will be planting another church. We will be partnering with that church and supporting them financially and sending teams there to the Boston area to serve. Boston is top five on the target list for North American Mission Board as far as cities that need the gospel. And so we have seen great success there. We're going to continue with 
the great uh, the Grace Church movement there, and you'll be hearing more about that. The second plant we want you to know about is Echo Church in Anaheim, California. Jason Polk is the church planter there. Uh, the mission team just sensed the Lord leading us to him uh, right there in Anaheim. I, re- I recently met with Jason, a great guy. I can't wait for us to be at a place where we can send service teams to come alongside he and Echo Church in their planting movement there in Anaheim. And last week, Jason sat down <clears throat> and recorded a video because we are already beginning to support this. The mission team has already uh, approved this, that we're supporting this church plant. And he wanted to send you personal, a personal note of thanks for our support. So watch the video. Hey, Bannockburn, my name is Jason Polk. I am the pastor at Echo Church here in Orange County in California. I just want to say thank you for partnering with us. Uh, We literally couldn't do what we're doing without you. You know, God has been moving here. He's been stirring in hearts. We've had eight baptisms over the last few months. God is really doing something special, and and I promise you it's because of your prayers, your support, your partnership. We could not do this without you. Continue to pray for us as we continue to engage with people, introducing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time. Um, and that lives would be changed because of the work that God is doing through us. Thank you so much. Amen. A great work happening in Anaheim. I'm very excited about that. You'll be hearing more about that. The third church that we're partnering with in North America is a church called La Chapelle Church in Quebec, Canada. 100% French-speaking church uh, plant in Quebec, Canada. Uh, La Chapelle is an interesting story. I get a random email from a person in our missions team that says we ought to look at this plant. I really feel something special here. And I started looking into La Chapelle and and I, I shockingly realized I had just gotten off a trip to Israel with a group of pastors, and one of the pastors I was on that trip with was David Pothier from La Chapelle Church. Uh, They are also a church planting movement in the Montreal area, and they are now going to plant a church in the Quebec area, 100% French speaking. And uh, so an interesting turn of events there, how we got connected to them. We really connected with them on our trip to Israel and getting to know them. Um, And so I'm excited about being a part of this plant And um, Pastor JP is the church planner there for this Quebec plant. He recorded also, uh, and by the way, they overwhelm us with thank emails for the support that we have uh, provided at such a time as this when in Canada, I don't know if you realize, but they just came out of lockdown after a year, a year, uh, have not been traveling around, have not been outside their, their homes uh, it's been really tough in Canada uh, for, for especially a church planner. But Pastor JP wanted to continuously sends us thanks for our support and our prayers. And he recorded a video this past week. Also, personal word of thanks to you. So watch the video. Hey, Pastor Kai. Uh, Pastor JP here from La Chapelle in Quebec City. I just want to take one minute of your time just to give you some news about what's going on here in Quebec. And just to thank you for your support and your generosity toward us uh, right now. We are planning to launch the church on September 12th uh, with the restrictions that are less uh, strict here in Canada. We were able to have our first two in-person meetings uh, the past few weeks and we were able to baptize our first five people here in Quebec City. And just last Saturday, we had nearly 200 people at our second vision night. So uh, it's amazing what God is doing right now. And if everything continues to go well with all the uh, COVID-19 restrictions here in Canada, 
we will launch the church on September 12th. So uh, I just want to inform you and thank you and your church for your generosity, your support and your prayers. It means uh, a lot to us. Right now, uh, I'm in our first uh, office space in Quebec City. So uh, it's because of you guys. So thank you so much uh, for your support and your generosity. And I hope we will be able to, uh, to see each other very soon and talk to each other very soon. So uh, thank you again. God bless you guys. Bye. Amen. So, so these are the plants that we want to send teams to in the future, maybe even the, uh, the fall break or spring break or even the next summer where we want to send teams to support them in their local communities and get these churches established over the next three years. We want to financially support them. Uh, obviously, we're a partner uh, supporter for all three of these campuses, and that's what we would like to see over the next three years for them to church plans to be established and strong, self-sufficient, uh, and doing gospel ministry in their area. They are strategic plants in strategic areas in North America. You want to have a, an impact, gospel impact on our country and North America as a whole? There's no better way, and it's the biblical model, to plant churches in cities where the gospel is needed most. We're doing that, and I'm proud to just uh, be a part of that. But let me return to our vision investment number three. Number three. Invest in positioning Bannockburn as a haven of hope and healing for the hurting. Okay, so what's the t-shirt all about? Uh, you know I don't normally wear t-shirts like this. Uh, you okay, bro? Right? That's the modern vernacular. How are you doing? Okay, just so, just so you know. Uh, we want to be a church. We want to be a church that not only asks the question, but we want to be a people who really care about the answer. And, and that we are equipped and prepared to help when someone around us is hurting. One of our values as a church is that we want to be a church where it's okay to not be okay. And why is that the case? Well, the reason we want it to be okay to not be okay is because if we as a church secretly and subtly and even unintentionally develop a culture as a church where everyone sort of is perceived to have it all together and not any problems and when you come to Jesus you seem to have uh, life by the tail is as it were and you don't have any real deep struggles then we've automatically built a culture where people won't be open and honest about their struggles because they'll feel like they don't fit in or the other people don't have problems that they have authenticity will go down and the struggle will go up and if they're not open and honest with someone here about their struggles then they're likely not to get the soul care they need to be okay because the soul care many times we need to be okay is the authenticity and the transparency and being willing to get help from other people who are willing to step into that space along with us. And I grieve a church that has those unseen barriers in our midst to people who won't open up to get help when they really, really need it. So we want to be a church that sincerely asks the question, are you okay? Are you okay? And we have, and we're equipped and we're prepared as a church body to help people who are not okay to become okay, to do soul care. And that should always be true of every church everywhere that we are like that. But I believe it's especially, it should be especially true of every church right now in our society because what we're facing is incredible opportunities for the gospel. According to the American Psychological Health Organization, I mean, you can get statistics like this anywhere. Look them up. They're all over the place. Let me just give you a few, though. Rates of depression 
increased by 52% between 2005 and 2017 among adolescents particularly aged 12 to 17 years old. The rate of suicide-related thoughts and outcomes increased 47% from 2008 to 2017 among young adults. Major depression rates in youth have increased 60% in just the last few years. You can find these stats everywhere, and they're actually overwhelming um, if you just start doing a little bit of investigation. In our society, our society is struggling in their souls. Maybe silently to you, it may be a coworker that you had no clue, right next to you, but they're everywhere and they're hurting. Statistics over the last 20 years have shown drastic upticks in mental health disorders, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, addictions, go, you can go on and on with all of these things. And, and, and I know it's highly complex, the human soul is highly complex, but the more I look at it and the more I assess our society and where we are right now and the struggles that are happening, I see it coming to, to, to three big things I'd like to just share with you. Number one, the rapid increase of our society in our consumption with digital technology and our lack of understanding how it affects our brains, how it affects our minds, how it affects our souls. I've talked about this in a series that we've done already in the past, but if you watch the data, it flows right along with the amount of dependence our society has on social media. All of the social ills and the soul turmoil goes right along with the amount of dependence we are having on digital technology. And you can't rule out the effects of digital media on society politically in our society. Um, we are becoming more and more polarized from one another in our country as a whole through radicalization because social media has given the mic of our culture to the radical poles and everyone in our society is being pulled to the poles and that's creating tension in our society and great anxiety for many in our society. I bundle all of that up into the effects of digital technology and its effect on the soul of America and people in America. Anxiety is on the up. Who of us would not admit that the political tensions we've been going through the last 10 to 15 years are a part of great anxiety in our midst? Relationship struggles with people uh, is part of it. But secondly, our culture is becoming more and more isolated and lonely every year. Combine all of this together. Combine all of these ingredients together, and I think you'll see that this is that, this, the stats that we see. Our desire in North America... In our society, for individualism, nobody can tell me how to live. I pull into my garage. I shut the garage door behind me. I don't know my neighbors in my community. This is an evaporating reality in America. Community. It's causing us, as we seek isolation from others, and our connection goes up on digital media, or our work relationships is where our relationships are mainly built. We have a strong sense of connection. We're connected to more people through digital media, more people at work, but our sense of belonging, we are almost bankrupt. Belonging and connection are totally different. And the human soul needs a belonging that transcends work relationships just when circumstances have it, that I happen to work with some people that I really love and I find my community there and it's all based on who to get transferred out and all of these sorts of things. We're a highly transient country. We don't have that same all the time. We don't have that sense of belonging. That sense of belonging is what we are desperately 
lacking. The per- says this, the percentage of Americans who say that they have no close friends at all has quadrupled since 1990 till today. Quadrupled. No real friend. No real person who really knows me. 54% of Americans say that no one knows them well. They feel isolated and alone. Up to 40% of Americans have zero close friends or confidants. Studies show we have much, much more connection than we've ever had, but we're bankrupt in belonging to other people at a transcendent level that transcends what I can contribute or certain temporary circumstances. A sense of community and belonging are lacking in America. But not only that, and this is the big one, you put all three of these together and you have a mess. Number three, we are seeing these stats become increasing on the rise because we're also growing more and more secular as a society. We are working God out of every nook and cranny of our society. We are becoming atheistic at our core. We are more and more moving away from God and his ways. And the further our country gets from God, the further we get from purpose and meaning, which is a critical need of a human soul. Purpose and meaning. But not only that, you move away from a moral and ethical structure that creates a healthy society that helps souls in that society remain healthy and strong. Just on an economic level, you start throwing God out, you throw the ethic system out. And you don't have a strong basis by which you can have an economic system that's healthy for the people within that society. We are eroding all of those things little by little, every day, every year in America. And how are we to think that in a society like this, we erode all of those things that are valued that actually support the human soul and we think we're getting better? We're not getting better. We're getting worse. And the world out there in this society in America is going to get colder and colder and colder. Why? Fundamentally, we're moving away from God. Also, we're moving away from each other. And not only are we moving away from each other, we are buying into things that are affecting us and we have no clue and we haven't thought through how it's affecting us and how it's affecting our society and the people around us. Our society is struggling, and I'm going to tell you, I don't see it stopping. I see it getting worse. So why do I share these statistics and causes that almost make it worse? Don't you hear this? And you just go, yeah, my anxiety's up now. Thank you, Key. Uh, I, know, I, I, have, I feel the same thing. I share that to go to this text. There's only one true life-giving source for an anxious, lonely, weary soul, and that is the person of Jesus Christ by his spirit, balm to the human soul. There is no other source. Every source that helps the human soul finds alignment in him and him alone. There is no other place to go. No other place to go on this planet, in this current existence, for the human soul to find its deepest satisfaction. There is no other place. Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, this is the words of Jesus. Come to me, 
all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Forgive me for trying to make it through that verse. Um, but three things I want us to see here from the Lord himself. First, Jesus tells us who he is. Jesus is telling us who he is here more than any other place in the scripture. Nowhere else does Jesus talk about his own heart, core of his essence, than right here. He's telling us who he is. I want to share a resource with you. This is a resource uh, my daughter introduced me to, and I, and I read much of it uh, on my break. When I was able to break from the pulpit, thank you. Thank you. Helps me let the Lord minister to my own soul for a while. Uh, and this book was a huge source of ministry to my own heart. It's called Gentle and Lowly. And I wanted to share with that to you the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers, Dane Ortland. And um, this book blessed me. It'll bless you. You want a blessing? Get the book. Read it. Uh, I really love it. But the whole premise here is that Christ is, this is the only place in all of the scripture where he talks about his own heart, where he talks about the core of his essence. You want to know who God is at the core of his essence. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful work, and I encourage you to, to, to read it. But the second thing I want us to see from this passage here where Jesus is making this enormous statement, he said, Jesus tells us what he provides. Uh, he says, I will give you rest, rest for your soul. I am the source of this type of soul satisfaction. You don't get it anywhere else. I will give it. And Jesus gives rest for a weary, burdened down souls. Jesus gives uh, rest for a weary soul. Jesus gives cleansing for a guilty soul. Jesus gives peace to a troubled soul. Jesus brings truth to confused souls, lost souls. He lights and he shows the way with truth. The truth of who he is. And I can go on and on. But everything a human soul needs at its deepest point is found exclusively in him. And what we need is only what he provides, and he wants to give it. Did you know God has rigged the system of this earth to himself? Do you know that? He has rigged the system of your own heart to him. You will not find it anywhere else. What you need for your soul, he has rigged it to be to him and him alone. And the bottom line is Jesus is the undisputed champion of the world at soul care for every human being. No one compares and no one else can give true, deep, satisfying rest to a human soul. And Jesus says, that's what I do. That's what I give, I alone, and I will give it. But then not only that, the third thing, Jesus tells us how he provides it. How he provides it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
and learn from me. Souls that yoke themselves to Jesus learn of him and follow him and walk in his ways, hear his voice and obey him, receive his peace and rest, and receive the satisfaction of their souls in him. The picture of the yoke is beautiful. Many of you are familiar with this. When you're going to plow a field, you put oxen in the yokes, the straps, and the oxen pull the plow. And there's usually two of them. And usually a farmer will take a younger one, a younger ox, and put it in with a more experienced, stronger ox. And that younger ox is yoked to the older ox. And that's the imagery that Jesus is giving here. Um, take my yoke upon you. You don't have a guy that's saying, or the whip, saying, pull this sled. Not that kind of yoke. Jesus is saying, no, yoke to me. I carry your burden. I show you the way. I teach you and you learn from me and you grow in me. And it's a relationship where I carry your burden. I show you where to go. This is the idea, the beautiful picture of Jesus saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and you'll find rest for your souls. The bottom line is this, everyone lives with some yoke. We all just pick different yokes of life. The yoke of religious performance, the yoke of materialism, the yoke of selfish ambition, the yoke of living for the flesh and pleasure and temporary things of this world that are so fleeting, all of these yokes prove to have an upside at first. And then they begin to weigh you down. And then they begin to crush your soul. Everyone has taken some yoke to satisfy their soul, but the only one that truly satisfies is Jesus. Let me tighten the bolts on this for us as a church as I close. Jesus has determined that he will do this work in the human soul through his church. Through his church. The whole yoke idea is the spirit of Jesus among his people. All of us yoked to the spirit of Jesus together. This is called discipleship. It's what the church is all about. The whole yoke idea is really discipleship. Discipleship leads to the rest of a human soul. Learning the truth of Christ, walking in the reality of Christ, empowered by the spirit of Christ and the word of Christ, and walking in that reality in obedience. As the wise and foolish builders teach us, we walk with obedience in him and soul rest is the eternal benefit. So when I talk about this word this phrase, biblical counseling. You're going to hear a lot about it in the next couple of years. When I talk about biblical counseling, what I'm talking about is that. Yoked to Jesus. The word of God. The eternal word. Ministering to an eternal soul by the eternal spirit power within us. When I talk about biblical counseling, I'm talking about that. Biblical counseling is discipleship. Take my yoke, learn from me, walk in my ways. You can call it discipleship. You can call it evangelism. You can call it equipping the, the saints for the work of ministry. There's a whole lot of things you can call it, but that's the essence of what we're talking about. Following Jesus, growing in Jesus, living for Jesus in biblical community. All of us yoked to the spirit of Jesus together. And Jesus said, make disciples. 
I will do my soul care through my church. The church is the hope of the world because Jesus in his personal presence is among his church to do the soul care that we need. I want to think, you to think of it like this. In our society, church, our world is becoming colder and colder. And people are going to suffer more and more the more they move away from God, the more they move, alienate themselves from one another. Our society is going to continue that upward trend and their souls are going to be in turmoil. And do you know what a soul in turmoil does? It searches. That's what a soul in turmoil does. Paul said in Acts 17 on Mars Hill, he says that God put us in all kinds of places that we would seek and find after him. He has made us to seek him. And guys, our society is going to get really cold. You talk about a cold winter. It's going to get colder. But here's the other picture. The fire of the spirit of Jesus and the warmth of his presence that nurtures a human soul is within his church. It's within his church. And we have an opportunity. You and I can all in our individual ways as we encounter people in this society that's going to get colder and colder and harder and harder on a human soul that begins to seek after God. You can provide a warm blanket to a human soul by the spirit of Jesus if you're equipped, if you're prepared. I believe the church is moving into a great gospel harvest opportunity. The worse it gets out there, the more people seek real answers for their soul. And the church has the answer. We have the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life of a human soul. He will do this work. We were looking at a quote the other day that Baylor was actually using. I'm going to make it, I'm going to mess it up. It says, we can't create transformation, but we can create spaces where transformation can occur. The spirit of Jesus will use you and minister through you to a human soul that is deeply hurting. But we need to be ready. We need to prepare ourselves. There is a ministry coming. They're going to come. They're going to seek. And we're going to have opportunity. Because of what we're seeing in our society. But the church should be a place where a lost world can see light, warmth to their own soul. They experience the presence of Jesus among his people. And they come to Christ and find rest for their soul. The church should be a place where every member carries the burdens of those around them. Galatians chapter 6, 2, Paul even commands it. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love. Love for another human. Now you'll get up underneath that with them. And in the strength of Christ and Christ alone, I'll, I'll carry it with you. Now that's belonging. No co-worker is going to do that for you. Long term. You need supernatural power to love that way. And the church, we have it. We have it. We can solve the alienation from God problem that our society is facing. We can solve... The belonging problem, a supernatural family, an eternal family that I belong to, and they belong to me, and they carry my burdens, and I carry theirs. No matter what, no matter what, you're not here because of what you can contribute. You're, can, you're here because Jesus died for you, and we belong to one another, and you need that as a human soul, and our society needs that, and the church can provide all of this. And so biblical counseling is also love. It's love. 
All of us locking arms around the Word of God and the presence of Jesus among His people and letting Him satisfy us. And we live our lives in that. And that's what we do. So the phrase you're going to hear this too, we are all called to counsel. We don't have a counseling center that does counseling ministry. The church is a counseling ministry. That's what we do. We are all called to counsel because counseling is discipleship. Counseling is being yoked to Jesus, and we're all yoked to Jesus. And we all help each other be yoked to Jesus in our life and receive soul rest for us, okay? So, what does this mean for us as a church? Two statements and I'm done. By 2023, every member at Bannockburn will have been trained in biblical counseling. Every member. Now, we're not all going to be trained at the same level. You know, I'm just saying the basic training for knowing how to give soul care to another human being from the Word of God, all of us being trained in that. And there's layers of training. Some of us are going to be trained very professionally for very high-end type things that we need to be able to help. But we want to be a place where we can provide help to anything. We don't have to send them to some office building to people that don't even know God. That the church can be the place where anybody comes with anything and we can help them and we can help their soul. More than anybody else on the earth, the church has this. That we are the place that's that haven. That we can be known as the place that has the answers. Not answers to solve every single problem, but we'll carry it with you. We'll carry the burden with you. And we do have solutions. And we do see souls come to find rest in our midst because of the spirit of Jesus. So... All of us being trained, yes, at different levels, but all of us being prepared for the days ahead, the next 20, 30, 50 years, for a harvest that God might bring because we are ready to know how to do soul care for people who are struggling deeply in our society. But secondly, by 2025, Bannockburn will have established a biblical counseling center for the purpose of supporting a professional arm, okay, of the biblical counseling initiative of our church. We do want to be able to meet every need. We don't want to ship off the hard ones. We want to be prepared as a church that we can help anybody in our community struggling with anything. And so, yes, that will require some professional grade equipping and training and people on staff. We want to have a biblical training center for counseling, most certainly. But it's just to support the holistic approach of us as a whole church being a haven of hope and healing. For the hurting. Amen? Who else will provide this to a hurting society? We have it all. We can do it. We just want to be prepared. And I believe we're going to experience a mighty harvest because of this in the next few decades. So let's make sure, now more than ever, you'll be hearing more about this in the, in the years to come. But join me in this effort in preparing us, being able to help hurting souls. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we uh, commit to you as a church. Lord, we know in our ability alone, uh, we have nothing to offer. <laughs> we can't satisfy our own souls. Spirit of Jesus, only you. And you are faithful among your people. You said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, church. Yeah, it'll get cold in this world. Things get rough. But I will never leave you or forsake you. I will leave that lamp, that warm fire, 
of my Holy Spirit in my church. And souls can come to me and find rest in my church. So Lord, would you bless? We as a church, we just commit to these things to you. Um, We don't know how all the details are going to play out, but we know it's needed. And we know you've called us to the gospel mission, the gospel ministry. And so we as a church just commit to you today. Lord, you are the life giver to a human soul in this world. And today we worship you. You've given us your word. You're not hiding in secret. You've made yourself known. You've told us what your heart is like. We can know you and walk with you. Lord, if there's a person in this room who's struggling silently, Lord, lead them on the path of healing and hope. Let us be a church that will definitely step into those kind of conversations all together and carry burdens and love. Bring healing and hope today. Lord, you can just do it miraculously as someone just switches the little switch of faith in their heart and they just trust you today. You'd pour in hope, maybe forgiveness to a guilty soul, cleansing, presence of Jesus among your people, minister to us. Lord, yoke us to you. Satisfy us. Show us how unsatisfying everything else in this world eventually becomes. Show us how satisfying you are. And that when we have you, we have everything. And we need nothing else. Presence of Jesus among your people. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts during this time of response. Take charge. And Lord, a waterfall of blessing, we would all experience it in our souls and in our hearts. And it would overflow from us in our lives to the hurting of people around us. Give us a ministry and bless us. Take this time of response and Lord, whatever anyone in this room needs to do to respond to you. We have, maybe we've heard something from you this morning and we need to respond. Now's the time. So give us courage to respond in the way, to say what needs to be said, to engage with you in prayer. And so, Lord, take take charge of this response time. Minister to us. It's in the name of Jesus that we ask it. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me all across the room? Let's just engage with the Lord. How has he spoken to you this morning? Just respond to him. Take a moment. Pray. Respond to him. And uh, I pray he would minister to our souls as a result.